Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I have an episode that I've been excited to bring you for a while um, that my guest today and I were connected through a mutual acquaintance. And, you know, the minute we had a conversation, I was just super excited about his mission, his purpose, and the the entity that he's building, just the organization and the heart for today's young men. And so I'm excited to bring you this episode and just kind of peel back the curtain behind what motivates Mr. Dennis Meralda of Building Men. Welcome to the show. What's up, Mike? It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. I truly have appreciated our connection. I think it was Jamie Gruber who connected us originally. So um, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of just dig into your background. But before we do that, and it'll probably come through in the thread anyway, let's get into the four questions. So who has had the greatest impact on your life? 100% it's been my children. Um, being a being a father of three kids, I have a 17-year-old son, Danny, uh, is going into senior year of high school this year, a daughter, Juliana, who is going into her freshman year of high school, and a daughter, Sophie, just turned 12, is going into seventh grade. So my background was in education, mostly in middle school. And throughout my journey, didn't recognize that um, the, the impact that my children had on the man that I wanted to be, it was profound in, in, um, in recognizing that it was always, I was thinking I need to do what I need to do to have an impact on my kids, but really it was them teaching me lessons about being a man through our conversations and our relationships. So hundred percent, it's been my kids have had the greatest impact on my life. I love that. We were just talking about this, but I'm going to interview my son next. And so I'm just like kind of curious thinking, you know, what, what his answers, I've, I've never even thought about this when it comes to the context of of our kids, but I would agree with you, you know, my kids, um, next to my wife, I mean, my kids have taught me so much. So I love it. Yep. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what do you think that would be? I think it is, it's recognizing that you learn more from your struggles than you do from your success. Mm. There's been so many times in my life, Mike, that I, it was, what was me? How did I get here? Why did this happen to me? And then looking back, those struggles that I went through, they shaped who, who I am. And one, it, it taught me like the resiliency that human being is capable of and and taking these these struggles that at the time you think, how am I going to get through this? to becoming who you need to be. You, you think about movies that like our favorite movies that we watch, it's never that the guy, you know, he goes through school, everything's easy for him. He graduates, gets the job, gets the car, gets married, has the kids, goes on vacations, drinking lemonade in a porch. And when he's 65 years old, the worst movie of all time, yeah. right? You have to go through the struggles. It's like all of a sudden Thanos has the infinity stones and he's snapping his fingers. Like that's the stuff that you want to watch. Right. Yeah. So for me, it was, even in those moments now, I recognize like, okay, this really sucks, but here it is. It's either going to be a great life lesson or it's going to be a great story that I can tell about it one day. So I've learned more from my struggles than I have from my successes. And it taught me a, little, a lot about myself. So that's had one of the greatest impacts on my successes, recognizing that 
I've learned more from the struggles. Wow. Yeah. It's so, it's so awesome. And, and just even thinking, I'm reading a book right now called uh, King Warrior Magician Lover. Oh man. I love it. I love that you just so brought that good. up. So good. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, as you said that it's like, I, I don't want to get too off on a tangent here, but it's just, I think that's part of, as we get into, you know, your mission and purpose and, and passion for building men, I think that's part of what's wrong today is that there's, you know, we, we live in this society that's been so coddled and, and, you know, everybody gets a trophy and all this stuff that really, like, even what you're saying, it's those, it's those hard times that really make us who we are, not just men, women as well. Um, but that's, what's missing today is that we we're trying we're trying, we, we believe that life is supposed to be easy and fair. And, and it's, <laughs> I don't want to like overplay this, but that's, that's not life number one, but that's also boring. A hundred percent agree with that. The, the book that you had mentioned is one that I've done at several podcasts, just referencing that idea of the King warrior magician lover and how we, how we, call upon those different archetypal pieces of our own masculinity and different things that we're doing in conversations that I have with my own son. Well, I don't say, okay, this is the warrior archetype about self-discipline, about service, uh, the, the king archetype about being a protector of your younger sisters and, and the, the ability to lead the magician archetype of being curious and really diving into different things and learning from others and, and teaching and then the lover really being empathic and, and enjoying the experience of life. When you have all those things playing at the same time, like that is, that is a good solid foundation to helping young men understand what masculinity is. So the fact that that's a book that you're reading right now, I hundred percent love it. And, and the other thing is there's a, the, the childhood versions of each one of those mm -hmm. archetypes and then the shadow versions of each one as well. There's so much there. Like I could do like five or six episodes of a podcast just around those ideas. You know, it's, uh, again, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but maybe it's valuable. Um, I've had more, I've just put up a, you know, a story that this is the book I was reading right now, which is usually what I do. And, um, I've had more women comment on that book than I have men, which I thought was really interesting. Um, my wife actually bought it for me and my sons, which I think is pretty cool too. And it's, I, I think there's an awakening. I think there's as many women that are awake around the fact that um, we're missing this as there are men, maybe more. 100% agree with that. And it's interesting, about 40% of the listeners of the Building Men podcast are women. They're either mothers of sons that are going through something mm. or their partners, they're like, what am I missing here? What do I really need to work on? And what I've done is try to, like, you think about the pendulum that, that my father growing up was, and we, we've had the conversation when you were on the Building Men podcast about like lessons that we learned from our own fathers, right? And so my father was this guy who believed it was like hard work, put your nose down, don't show any emotion. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to come home. Where's my beer? You know, kids are better seen and not heard, go shut up and stop crying kind of thing. And all the way to the other side where the, the husband is walking around with his penis tucked between his legs, carrying his wife's purse with a little dog in a purple sweater. Like we've come so far in the other direction. Like how do we, how do we get to the spot where we can access all those different ar archetypal ideas, be strong, be steady in who you are, like provide, have that solid foundation and be able to be vulnerable and, and ask for help, but not all the way in either direction. That's like either one of those, those sides is, is not good for, for men and helping women understand, like, what are they, what are they interested in? I think they're interested in that sweet spot. I think they're interested in the strong man who can also be vulnerable. You know, 
it's interesting the timing of threads too, and we can circle back to this if you want to, but I, there's a couple that I really admire and, and she's a life coach and she put up a post just a little bit ago. And, and again, I think it's just timely. Um, she said something about not, uh, she had this realization about not mothering her husband, which is, you know, just the nature of women. And I understand that. Well, and there was all, there was, it was a great post and I read through it. And then, um, the guy's name's Jeff. He's a great friend of mine. He put a comment down below and he said, you know, I'm reading a book right now and I can't remember the name of the book that he's reading, but it dates this back. And he said, part of the issue that's going on in society today is we, we had this period of time where, um, when we started moving through the industrial revolution and men started leaving farms and working in the family businesses and being home every day. And then we started, you know, going into the industrial revolution and, and going into education and, and off to college. And, and then the women became responsible for, you know, raising the boys because the boys weren't working with the men all day. And, uh, he started noting back to the fact that as we moved into the industrial revolution and we became a nation of education, and then we also sent our boys off primarily to be taught by women yes. all day, which I don't, there's nothing wrong with women. Obviously that's not what we're saying, but the reality is that that strong male influence and the young man being out working with the father in the field and all of that, that's where we've lost a lot of this. I love that you said that Mike, and to take it to another step all the way back in, in history, if you're, if we're going, um, you know, back to the beginning of when, you know, tribal senses where, you know, the, the young men would go out with the, the men of the village. There was a rite of passage that happened, right? So they were boys and then they went out hunting and gathering and they, there was like a ceremonial thing where they did something, they would kill a, a lion and it was like a whole thing and they would come back and they were men, mm -hmm. right? For women in society today, there was a, there was a time stamp when they were a girl and then all of a sudden this happens, they, they menstruate now they're a woman in, in, in eyes of the other women. So they, now they are able to reproduce in that way. For, for young men, there's no longer this thing where they are boys and they're men. Mm -hmm. So what we see now is this extended state of adolescence where um, on the podcast, my co-host is my younger brother. He's there about half the time um, interviewing people with me and he's 31 years old. And so a lot of his friends are still middle school boys. The things that they hold to be part of who they are, it's its going out, getting banged up on the weekend, it's playing video games, it's trying to sleep with as many girls as possible because they never had a ceremonial rite of passage. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's missing from society. It is women that are teaching young men and they're not having those moments seeing men interact with one another and do things. So it's not what we're, what they're hearing, it's what they're seeing men interact and doing things together is how they're getting their identity of, of what it means to be a man. Yeah. And again, I want to make it really clear. Like I don't, there's, it's not putting the fault on the women, but the next thing that, um, I've had this conversation a lot too, and I think you can mark just different, you know, times in society, but then also the fact that there's so many broken families and the, you know, I'm, I'm a, we talked about this when I was on your podcast, but you know, I'm a, I'm a product of this, um, type of family unit where my dad was an alcoholic. He was gone all the time. My mom ended up leaving him. And, you know, she became the strong influence in my life. And I did end up with a stepdad, but still, I mean, she was that voice. And I thank God for her because she was an amazing woman, but there's so many, there's so many households where that father figure is also missing. And I think that's another big part of, um, you know, where some of these issues come in. And so I love the fact 
that, you know, your mission with building men and, and stepping in there. And even you were mentioning this off screen, but even doing the, the coaching that you do or the, the mentoring or consulting or whatever it is where, you know, you work with fathers and sons, it's so important. Absolutely. And, and I love the, the idea of what, like let, let's call it out there let's let's talk about it there's a there's a book the guy's name is Stefan Arnio and it's um one of the the things that come from this book and i don't remember the title i think it's um hard times create strong men i think is the title of the book but there's this whole idea that hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men and weak men create hard times and in my opinion, we are in that spot at the end. We are in that weak times or, or weak men create hard times. And we are currently in that space right now. So what we're looking for is the hard times that we are currently, we find ourselves in right now will, will create strong men. So what are, what can we do as mentors to help that help the, the next generation understand what is their role in helping us rise again as a society? Wow. It's pretty good. Hard times create strong men. By Stefan Arnio. I'm going to order that. Um, what was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Wow. So I would love to, I'll, I'll, we'll circle back to talk about where building men came from. But um, there was a time I left public, I was a middle school principal for many years. I started in education in 2001. And uh, my third day teaching was 9-11, teaching in central New Jersey. So I was pervasively impacted, as were the students that I taught by the Twin Towers falling. Several students in my school had family members or friends that had died in the, in the attacks in the World Trade Center. So that was, you know, my start in education. I spent um, almost 20 years in education. I left education in 2019 to pursue a career in coaching and consulting with school districts. I got fed up with the way schools were being run. It was about creating cookie cutter, standardized kids. And I could talk about my philosophy in education, where building men came from, but I basically was fed up up with it. So I left public education, started working, um, traveling and, and working with schools, doing motivational speaking, doing workshops, professional development. And it was going really good until the spring of 2020. So I had one year in, I was, you know, starting to generate income doing it. And then the world shuts down. And I went from making a good six figure salary to making nothing, nothing. I was basically, I had no income whatsoever. And you had mentioned the family structure. It was also the greatest setback in my personal life was I was going through a divorce at that time. Hmm. So I'd been married for 16 years, 17 years, and in the middle of a divorce without any income. So when you talk about a biggest setback, I had a moment, Mike, where I didn't know what was next for me. I really didn't. I, I thought, well, I need to get back into being a principal. I need to get back into education. But the thing was, schools were closed down, and I had just left a year before, so I was not a marketable commodity for schools. Mm -hmm. And so I had a, a moment where I was like, what, what do I do now? And to me, that greatest setback at that moment where I didn't know what the next thing was, I had a, this, this moment of clarity. And I was like, I need to do what I was meant to do here on this earth. And that is to provide this, um, this idea of, of building men and, and the movement that I started all the way back when I, when I became began as an administrator in public schools in 2005. And I can talk about the, the inception of the origin of that program, because that's what it was for me. That was what got me out of this really depressive down spot that I'd found myself in. You know, we can just flow right into that actually, because the whole point of my questions is just, I, I, yeah. sometimes I don't even get through them. So let's, right. let's go, let's go to it. Cause um, I think it's you got important. it. So I mentioned where I started it and it was 9-11 was my third day on the job. Um, 
when I started as a, as an educator, um, I, the reason why I went into education pretty much was I, co- I coached my younger brother's baseball team. I was like 19 and he was like five years old coaching T-ball. And I was like, I really like to coach. So I, that's why I wanted to become a teacher was to become a coach. So in my undergraduate program, I got my degree in education. I have a, a dual major in sociology. And part of the sociology degree was I needed to do an internship at a place where I learned about group dynamics. So I worked at a place for at-risk youth. And it, were, it was kids that were referred to this place because of the court system or because of Department of Children and Families. They were either abused or they were um, in trouble with the law. And I worked as a group and an individual counselor. And I saw, one, it was mostly boys that were part of this program. But I also saw my impact on helping them individually and then in groups overcome a lot of the challenges that were in their path. So now fast forward, I become a teacher. I'm coaching varsity baseball and immediately recognized I needed to have a bigger impact than just my kids in my classroom. So I was like, I'm going to get my my master's degree in educational leadership. I fast tracked it. I was out of uh, graduate school in less than two years. And I got a job as an assistant principal in board in central New Jersey, where I lived. And Right away, as soon as I started on the job, Mike, I recognized all the issues I was dealing with was with the boys. 90% of the, the shit was with the, the young men in the school. They were coming to school late, not coming at all, getting tossed out of class for disrespect, for fighting, for bullying. They were uh, failing like way more frequently than the girls where they were getting classified into special services. So I was dealing with a lot of the problems with the boys. So I said, I need to do something about this. So I decided to start a boys group. And... I, so I started this, this boys group in October of 2005, like a month into the job. And all the boys in the school joined up, seventh and eighth grade boys, 13, 14, 15 years old, joined up for this boys social group. And I'm thinking, wow, like this is, this is really cool that this is going on right now. Mm-hmm. It turns out that there was a girls group that was happening. All the girls were part of the girls group. So the boys wanted their spot to bitch about the girls. So they all joined up. <laughs> and initially, I was like, listen, we're going we're gonna to talk about real stuff during this group. So first I wanted to know, what do they think it is to be a man? Like, what is your definition of, of being a man? And, and I remember I thought the same exact thing when I was growing up, but basically what they said, Mike was being a man meant you were bigger, stronger. You could kick people's asses. Like physically you could dominate. That was, that was masculinity to them. Then their thing was the number of girls that you can bang or the, like the perceived attractiveness. Mm -hmm. So it was either the number of girls or the, how hot they were. That meant that you were the man, if you were banging this money, number of girls. And then it was the stuff that you can accumulate, how much money you were making, the, the sneakers, the car, the house, whatever it was. So it was about the things. So it was the way you look, the, the, the physicality, sexual prowess, and then like financial success. Those are all things that they thought about. And I challenged them. And I said, all of those things could potentially be taken away from you, right? Mm-hmm. So you lose your job, you know, all of a sudden you're, you, you, you hurt yourself. You're not able to perform physically like you once did, or like, God forbid something happens and you can't perform sexually. Where are you then? If you're basing your masculinity on those things, what are you left with then? Yeah. And these are all things that when I was raised by my father, these are things that he felt were important. So that those were the, the, the things that he felt were characteristics of a, of a man. So, so that was in part of my upbringing was hearing these things on a regular basis from my father. And so what I challenged the boys to do was like, let's think about what are things that could, you could base your masculinity around that cannot be taken away from you. So let's talk about character. Let's talk about integrity. Let's talk about resiliency. Let's talk about self-discipline. Let's talk about doing something in service to someone else. What can you do? 
to help another human being breathe a little bit easier? What can you do to leave a legacy? These things cannot be taken away from you. Let's base our masculinity around that. So slowly but surely, as we met as during this this time um, with seventh and eighth grade boys, I started to recognize like one, they started to lean into conversation. So they started to share things about themselves that could most middle school boys don't talk about the last time that they were scared or their relationship with their fathers or, you know, crying about whatever. And these were some tough kids, you know, in the school. And all of a sudden I started to recognize like there's something here you know, I started to real recognize that this, this group of young men, they're starting to lean into these conversations. And we would set up in a circle. We would start and end every meeting. We would look each other in the eye, shake, shake each other's hands like we're going on a job interview. We're meeting our girlfriend's father for the first time. And we would talk about real shit. And after one year of this program being in place, the suspension rate in the school, and it's not the be all end all like the metrics, but it dropped 400% in one year. Wow. to where we were getting like 80 kids suspended in a year down to like 10. It wow. was like something wild like that. And I was like, I'm onto something here. There's some power in what's going on. So from that point, I recognized this is what I need to be about. It's not about test scores. It's not about, you know, uh, standardized. Like it's, it's about helping young men understand what it means to be a man and creating this level of community. So I held three different leadership positions as a principal and I brought this program to all three schools and I just saw what an impact it made. And I still have constant communication with some of these young men who are in their late twenties right now. Mm. You know, this is going all the way back to 2005 that I still communicate with. And I see that a lot of the lessons that I, that I taught to them and that we learned together have helped them in their adulthood right now. So that's where, when I, when I was at that spot to bring it back to the greatest setback, when I was at this, this, this spot, Mike, where I'll, I'll t I kid you not, I could, I could remember, I could close my eyes and remember I was driving, pulled off to the side of the road. Tears are streaming down my face thinking, what have I done? I screwed up my kids. I can't believe this happened. Like all this, this woe is me stuff. And a song came on the radio and I'll never forget, like, it was like, it snapped me back into, into place in my head. And the song was already gone by the Eagles. Mm. And uh, there's a line in the song. It says, so oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. And I listened to it again and again and again and again. And it's a song that I heard a million times growing up with my old man listening to classic rock. But that time was the first time that I heard those lyrics. And I remember thinking, oh, my, if I'm going to make a change in my life, it has to start with me. Like the, anything that's going wrong are self-imposed chains that I'm putting on myself. I have the ability to break free from this and do something of impact and, and, and significance in my life. It's going to be building men. That's going to be what is going. And I'll figure out the rest along the journey. So I rolled the dice on building men. I learned how to start a podcast, really didn't know anything about podcasting or anything like that. And, and the rest is it's one, you know, it's, it hasn't always been easy or pretty, but I know for a fact, I'm in alignment with what I need to be doing. And that's helping young men understand what it means to be a man and then helping fathers of young men reconnect with them along that journey as well. So I'd love to get tactical. I mean, obviously you've mentioned the building men podcast. I was a guest. I appreciate you having me on. What are some of the things that you guys do at building men currently? And, and what's kind of like the overarching vision, if you will, would love to hear what the future looks like. So what I do is I coach um, young men in, in high school into that early 20 age timeframe um, and their fathers. So I, I do 
individual for both sons, like the young men and their fathers. And then I do some together. Um, the things that we have that are, that's in the hopper a little bit for us. And again, this is new as far as like the business model is concerned is we're going to be doing retreats for young men and then retreats for fathers and sons in the future as well. That'll be in late 2023 is when we'll get that off the ground. So those are a couple of cool things we have in play right now. And, um, and just on the podcast, we interview men from all over the world, share stories of resiliency and, and what they, how they identify uh, what it means to be a man. So we've learned so much. And I say, wait, it's me. My younger brother joins me, Anthony joins me. And then recently, like I mentioned before we jumped on my son, Danny, who's 17 years old has been my co-host as well. So to have conversations with my son on the podcast and interviewing people, it's to me, it's one of the coolest things in the world. You know, I, I love, and I'll, I'll probably say this five, 10 more times during the episode, but I love what you're doing out there because, you know, so many people are talking about everything that's wrong in the world and, you know, men, women, uh, Supreme court, I, you know, Republican Demo like there's just so much negativity in the world. And I just put a podcast up um, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Like if you don't turn on the news, you know, if you don't uh, jump on social media, et cetera, like if you just have connection with humans, it, you wouldn't even know that we're like in a recession or the world's about to end or real estate's going to fall off a cliff yeah. or any of the above. Right. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to investors and, uh, you know, uh, investing for freedom. It's a lot about wealth building and everything else. And so much of it's mindset, but again, there's so much negativity around men, women, uh, black, white color, all this stuff. And the reality is like, if people would just stop bitching and, and if you truly believe that there's a problem in the world, as you identified and then go do something about it from a productive standpoint, like that's what gets my heart going. And the fact that like you see an issue with, uh, you know, the, um, graduation rate and, um, suspension rate and all this stuff. And then you just dive right in and start building this thing. Like hats off. I have to commend you for doing something about it because this is how we change societies. Yes. Thank you, Mike. No, I appreciate that. It's interesting too. When you mentioned the news and social media, I read recently that right now, human beings through the news channels, through whatever feeder TikToks, like Instagram, whatever it is, you're exposed to more traumatic images, sounds, video clips in 24 hours, right? Right now, than 25 years ago. So go, going back whenever 25 years from 1998, and 25 years ago, someone would experience in their entire lifetime. Like if you let that sink in, because think about this, you might watch the news from six o'clock to seven o'clock, at night or in the morning or something like that. And maybe you read about certain things in the newspaper. Other than that, you were having conversations with neighbors, with family members. There was a lot more things that you were hearing that were in a positive nature. Rather than right now, you can spend one hour and see more in one hour than you would see in one full year mm. in like on a, on a feed. I, I asked my son about this recently. He's like, yeah, dad. He's like, there's a couple, you know, things that you see on TikTok or Instagram reels. And basically their sole purpose is to show you disturbing images mm -hmm. and it becomes addicting. And what it's rewiring kids brains in a negative way. And they're so used to seeing these negative things that it, it, they are almost becoming desensitized mm -hmm. to it. So for me, what I tell my kids is like, if you really want to learn about something, put the phone away right now. Like actually get a physical newspaper or go onto a website that is that, that will show you news, right? You want to be exposed to what's going on in the world, read about it 
and then take some time to think about it, reflect on it, mm-hmm. rather than you see it for a second and scroll to the next thing, then scroll to the next thing, then scroll to the next thing. You don't have an opportunity to let your brain really understand how you feel about something. Then it's someone else's agenda telling you how you need to feel. So I've, I basically, that's how I consume. I like, I still will read an actual newspaper. I stopped watching the news 100% because it wasn't serving me and it, it wasn't helping me get closer to what I needed to be doing in my life. Yeah, no, I, I so appreciate it. And what are you most excited about? Oh, wow. For me, it's, I, I mentioned the very beginning, the greatest impact. It's, it's, I'm so excited about seeing my children like recognize their potential. I really love, so my son will be a senior in high school and he like, just see, like seeing the excitement on, on his face every single day with new things that he's learning, like watching, watching my girls, um, like blossom into who they're going to be. So for me, like, conversations that I have with my kids and it's funny, like you're on, you're on my podcast. There was a moment of like, you know, you get choked up and at first you want to apologize, but I don't, I'm not going to apologize for, Mm. for feeling through stuff. Like for me, like, it's not, it's not financial success. It's like the, those moments that I'm with my, my son and my two girls and we're just sitting around, we're laughing, we're joking. And then we will talk about something interesting going on in the world or something that we've read or something. What's, what's something that you've done for another human being today? What's something that you failed at today? What's something that you've learned today that you want to share with your brother, sister and me? Um, so for me, what, what really gets me going is having deep, impactful conversations and seeing my children become so good. I love it, man. You know, and yeah, I think, I think maybe, I don't know that I've ever been on some a podcast where I got choked up, but we definitely went there on yours. And I think it's because, I mean, obviously the, the deep work that you're doing with humans and connection. And, um, you know, I, I was, I was at a rough time too, cause we had a, a young man that's in, you know, a close family friend that had taken his life. And I haven't really talked about it much on, you know, I don't think I've said anything on the podcast about it, but you know, it was right after that. And then just seeing somebody with a passion like you have for, you know, when somebody takes their own life and just realizing you were, you were just kind of circling back to it too. Like the images and um, the things that we see and, you know, how burned and buried that is in our subconscious and uh, you know, the suicide rate right now and in young men. And so that was what really kind of got me choked up is number one, seeing your passion and wanting to change that for, young men, but also the timing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I guess I got to pay you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. And that, it's so, it's so funny too, Mike, there was a time when I first started the podcast and it, it's the two, two year anniversary recently, um, July 1st of 2020 was the day that I released the first episode. It was called the decision. And the second one was called overcoming fear. And for the first six months or so. It was me figuring it out. I really scripted everything. I wanted it to sound like it wasn't scripted, but it was scripted. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked like I was a principal talking to kids, you know, like I, I was very buttoned up and it, I wanted it, I wanted to look a certain way. And it, I was still living in that um, spot where I wasn't able to get vulnerable and to really be authentic and share who I was. And it's interesting because 
my my younger brother, who was one of the reasons why I got into education, like I mentioned, um, I was a you know brother slash father figure to him. My father was not very um, involved in his life, and now we're best friends. And I remember there was a time I had him on the podcast once or twice. He's like, "Listen, bro," he's like, "It's cool what you're doing." He's like, "I I think you're onto something." He said, "But you gotta like." loosen up your ass cheeks a little bit. He's like, you got to just be you and just put it out there. Talk about the real stuff that's going on rather than trying to sound a certain way. And to me, that was one of the biggest shifts was going to a spot where I was like, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about all the stuff that I went through as a young man. And even like different challenges that I faced mistakes that I made. And it's okay to show emotion because listen, that's life. And you mentioned your, your son's friend and, you know, I, I look back to how many kids that, that I, you know, coached and mentored and I was their principal for, for so many years, ha, like providing a safe space for them to just talk freely about the things that they were going through, the challenges they were facing without any level of judgment. Like, listen, I will be here for you. Listen, whatever you want to throw out there on the table, like I'll be that, that landing spot for you and I'll give you advice. And there'll be times that I'm going to kick in the ass and hold you accountable for things, but know that it's a safe spot. So, I mean, I, I talk all the time about this too. A moment that you can spend in service to another human being, it could just be reaching out to someone like, hey, are you okay? Are, do you, is there anyone you need to talk to? Is there anything I can do to support you? And young men, especially that don't, that might not have that father figure in their life or someone that they can go to and talk to. If you can provide that, that mentorship, that coaching, that level of support to a young man, do that. Please do that. Like, uh, I really feel if if more men took the opportunity to help young men, like we would see such a dramatic, you know, increase in, in the connectivity that's happening, but also hopefully those numbers that you had mentioned, the suicide numbers would start to, we would see a turnaround and start to see that decreasing, having young men understand that there are people out there that are listening that are, that are there to support them. You know, that's why it's again, just such a noble cause because not only, you know, suicide rates, but um, you know, marriage is, falling apart um you know kids the next generation i mean it the trickle down effect of the impact that you have on and again this you're building men so i i don't want to like it it matters just as much for women we were talking um you know about the girl mentorship uh they're, they're mary and, and jill they're awesome humans so i'm not trying to like isolate women but we do have you know just such a a, a breakdown of of young men today and the one thing that I'm really excited about too, and I, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll kick it back to you. When you were talking about doing, you know, the future of building men and, and having events, this is one thing, my wife and I have a couple's mastermind and I don't know if we ever talked about that, but the one thing that we realized is like, you know, there's, we watch this, like I've, I've been in investment groups and masterminds and you go there and the investment world is primarily men. My wife's on a mission to change that. Um, just like you're on a mission to change building men, she's on a mission to not change that, like that we want less men, but again, more women. But I've, I've watched this for a while. So I go to an investment mastermind and it's primarily men. And my wife would come on trips with me. And a lot of the men, we heard this over and over and over. A lot of the men said, man, I wish I could get my wife here. And my wife would always, you know, she kind of took that to heart and she was like, well, and, and I heard her say this a couple of times. She's like, well, why? why can't you get your wife here? And the man would automatically be like, well, you know, she's just not interested or this and that. There's just this disconnect and I'm going somewhere with this. But then yeah. my wife started, you know, doing masterminds too separately. And a lot of the women that are in her mastermind, uh, cause they were, you know, high performing, successful women, man, I wish I could get my husband involved. 
I wish my husband would. And so what we started to realize is this is not a male thing. This is not a female thing. It's like a disconnect in the marriage. And so we started a couple's mastermind where couples can come together and grow together. Here's where I'll pull this together. Hearing the future of building men and knowing that you want to do events and retreats and that kind of stuff just gets me so freaking excited because, you know, I've had, including Jamie Gruber, I've had several people come to us and say, Hey, we're thinking about starting a couple's mastermind. And I'm like, tell me how I can help you because there is such a need for it. There's, there's more abundance, you know, there's not, there's him masterminds, there's her masterminds, but there's no couple's masterminds. The next thing, and this is what, I'll kick it back to you. I'm so excited to hear you say that you're going to bring, you know, fathers and sons together. And I mentioned this off camera, Dylan and I are doing a, a wake surfing mastermind for fathers and sons in September, but that's just one thing that we're doing because we're excited about doing one thing together. It's probably not something that, you know, we will go make a big impact on the world, but to hear you say that you're going to do that and reconnect fathers and sons together, that does something for me. Yeah, it's, and I, I, for me, <clears throat> if there's anyone listening that is, is interested in, in building men, I would, I would recommend um, listening to the podcast with my son. It was episode 127. I think it was March 30th. It came out. It was on his 17th birthday that I interviewed him. And this is a, this is a kid who <clears throat> his parents went through a divorce when he was a freshman in high school, right? So he's in a spot where... You know that you hear all the time, and I'm, I'm my expertise is in is in development of, of of adolescence especially, but you know, kids between the ages of like fifth grade and their senior in high school. So knowing how the brain develops, how do you how do you connect with them cognitively, emotionally? Like how do you how do you get them help them become the best versions of themselves in that age range? So that's my that's my wheelhouse. And I have a kid, and I know divorce is a traumatic event. You know, we, we think about trauma and how it impacts kids. So adverse childhood experiences, ACEs that kids go through, the loss of a family member, neglect, abuse, things like that that can rewire their brain. So in the back of my mind, I'm recognizing my son, my daughters have gone through this traumatic experience. And one of the, the biggest fears and one of the reasons why I stayed married for such a long time was because I didn't want my children to go through that. I didn't want to do something to screw up my kids eventually. And one of the coolest things, Mike, and um, again, I feel like I need a box of tissues next to me. God damn, like, I, like having this conversation with my son, recognizing like what he, he came out on the other side stronger because he sees me as a stronger version of myself. So you, when you're going through these difficult times in your life, recognizing your kids will take from, from you what you portray. So as I was going through this time, I was like, I can either slump my shoulders down and like slunk around or I could put my shoulders back and say, you know what? I am going to make the best of this situation, be the best damn father that I can possibly be to help him be the best young man he can be. So a conversation between me and my son, it's I recognize in that moment that not only is it would it be great for me to do this? I feel like I have the responsibility to help fathers connect with their sons and and whatever I can do in that capacity, it is not only my mission, like I feel like it is my, my duty to continue to do that because I feel like from, from my experience, everything that I've gone through in education, doing building men, my relationship with my own children, I want to help other people that can do the same thing. Mm. So good. So powerful, man. It's uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my middle son, Tim too. And, and just, it doesn't matter, you know, he's turned into such a, a, an amazing young man. And you just think through, um, you know, just him as, and I, I, I point him out specifically because he was such a, like as a young guy, like he knew exactly what, you know, the personalities that, that the different kids have, like yeah. he had this personality, like take on the world. And he still has that today. He's very like, um, when I think of like a strong, it, I just realized too, by the way, he edits my podcast. So he's good. <laughs> I, I wasn't even thinking about it, but he, he has such still just such a strong, like personality and knows exactly what he wants. And, you know, I, I just couldn't be more proud as you're, you're talking through it, like with your son and that reconnecting. The reason why I'm saying this though, is we don't have, like, we don't even have areas where we intentionally get together and are able to have conversations about this. And just listening to you talk about your son and the, the fact that he's came through that, that's what got me thinking about Tim too. Like from the time, you know, he's kept that and I'm so proud of him to like keep such a strong a personality and opinion and know what he wants and, and to go through it. But where do we have opportunities to really reflect on that? I mean, we get glimpses of it, but there's not a lot of times where we get to really, you know, think about it on a deep level and again, that's why I love the, you know, whether it's a couple's mastermind or you doing events with the father, son together to be able to, you know, mirror and appreciate that. We do this little thing on every birthday and it's become such a powerful, we started it in 2020 on everybody's birthday or like Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever. Everybody will go around and just share the one thing that they love about the person whose birthday it is. And it has become, it has become such a powerful thing for us and, um, I, I, I just don't think there's enough of that where we get to reflect on how powerful and awesome someone is. I love that, Mike. I, that's a, that's a tradition. Hopefully you don't mind that I'm going to steal from you because I always look for, for, for little things like that. And you mentioned looking out for those moments to connect. It doesn't have to be this grand gesture of like, okay, son, we're going to sit down now and talk about the meaning of life. <laughs> it's in those little throwaway moments where it's a drive. I mean, there's, I could do a whole podcast on the importance of the drive. And I'll tell you this too, there's, there was a time as I was, you know, going through um, separation and divorce where, you know, the kids were with me, joined custody every other week and the drives from, from their mother's house to where I was staying at the time was on the Jersey shore. It was like a 50 mile drive and it was during COVID and distance learning. So it wasn't, a, you know, a, a big deal doing that, but we had a lot of time in the car together. And so during the drives, we would listen to music and each one of us would put on a song and talk about what it meant to us. And so those little things. And so I, even when I'm in the car with my kids right now, I'm like, I'll play a song and then you play a song. Like I'll, I'll put on, so let's talk about Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen right now. Let's talk about why this, this song was really important to me as I was growing up. And then my daughter will put on something by Ed Sheeran and talk about why A Castle on the Hill is a song that she really likes. So even to, like discussing something around music, but those little moments where if it's 15 minutes where you're on the couch and put the phone down and just be like, hey, did you hear about this? Or let's talk about for 15 minutes. So if you're doing that 15 minutes a day and you do that over the course of a year, now your kids are recognizing that those conversations are of value to it. It doesn't have to be everybody stop what they're doing. It's those, those little moments. And then they'll look back and say, my dad really invested in me. He really cared about what I thought about, not just telling me what 
what I should do, asking me what I thought about specific things. And you mentioned your son. One of the reasons why I'm, I'm guessing that he is comfortable in sharing his voice and, and he's a badass right now is likely because as a young man, as he was growing up, you were asking him for his opinion about things. And one one developmental need that that middle school, high school kids have is autonomy, that their voice is a part of the space. They want to know that you want to know what they're thinking. And if you just tell them all the time, they're not getting that need met. They're going to figure out another way to do it, or they're going to shut off and they're not going to listen to you. So asking kids, what do you think about this? Or what's your opinion? We'll, we'll do what you want to do today. What's up, what's up, Tim? You tell us what you want to do today. So you're getting your, they're meeting that need for autonomy through those conversations. You know, it's so powerful. Like uh, I, I was just thinking about, and I won't, I won't give you the, the political conversation that we got involved. It's not even political, it's social and everything. Um, all my kids were in town. Tim lives in Phoenix now. Dylan has his own house. And so all the kids were in, I don't even know where we were. I think we were driving or something. And we were just having this pretty like um, cordial debate. Um, we actually love debate in our household too, by the way, which I think is another valuable thing. But when you were just saying that, it made me realize like we gave our kids the ability to have their own, you know, thought process and opinion. And I, it just brought me back to that moment where, you know, everybody was talking about their thoughts on this and, and why it matters and everything else. And it's just such a valuable point. And I appreciated it there real quick. Um, I think it was Thanksgiving. We had everybody in town and we were bored one night. And so we decided to break up into groups of two and two of us would go up in front of the room. This is me and my kids and, and, and then Dylan's girlfriend was here too. So there were six of us. So we broke up into groups of two and we would, we would do debate. And so one person would have to argue why, um, why we should take the money from the 1% and give it to everybody else. And so every, the other four would go pick the debate, um, the thing they were going to debate and who had to debate it. And I had to debate why we should take money from the 1% and give it to every Such a valuable, valuable um, experience and exercise because it put us all you know, out of our zone and got us comfortable yeah. with conversation. And-, I, and the reason why I love that is I never did it to that extent, Mike, but we'll debate barbecue you're you're at a fourth of july barbecue what's your top three draft picks of food that you're going to have and you have to substantiate it or what's the best holiday and why or if you have if you're if you're going somewhere we'll even play like would you rather like who would you rather go on a car trip with and then insert two people here and we go in very funny directions with it but having those conversations and once you're doing that and the kids see you invested in what their opinions are and having a good time then the phone becomes this ancillary thing that they're not worried about anymore and you're retraining your brain to have that human connection and here's the other thing like i mentioned autonomy for the listeners if you have kids here's five developmental needs that your kids have and if, if there's something that's going off the rails a little bit, in my experience in education, one of these five needs is not being met. It's the need for autonomy, that their voice is a part of the space, the need for competence, that they feel good at doing whatever they're doing. So setting them up for things that they can do incrementally to find success. So embrace the suck. Feel comfortable being bad at something until you're good at something. My daughter wanted to learn how to juggle. So I was like, listen, if you're going to suck at it first. You're, it's going to suck. And then you get better at it and better at it, and now she can juggle. Right. So there's a need for competence, the need for fun, like make sure that you're inserting fun into what you're doing, because if you're not providing ways for them to have fun in a safe space, they're going to find ways to do it. And maybe that's going behind the shed and funneling a beer when you're not looking. Right. 
the need for relationships, not only with you, your significant other, with their siblings, with their friends. So that need, especially when they're in that middle school years, is not about how they see themselves. It's about how they think their friends see them. Mm. So what can you do to help them in, in healthy ways and relationships? And then finally, it's safety. They need to feel safe in your presence. So as a father, what are you doing to provide that level of safety for your kids? Autonomy, competence, fun, relationship safety. If you're meeting those needs for your kids, you're in a good spot. If something is off the rails, it's likely that one of those needs is not being met in a productive way. And they're, they're reaching out. I don't know how to tell you this, but I need the, I need more fun in my life. I don't know how to tell you this, but I need my voice part of the space. And maybe that's them acting like a total asshole to you in some ways, but it's likely one of those five needs is not being met. Wow. That was gold, man. Well, I could do this for another hour, but um, I'm up against a, a time, a time yep. clock here. So where can people find you or building men? Uh, I'm the most active on Instagram. It's building.men. Uh, my website is buildingmen.io. So reach out to me, send me a direct message um, or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm the most active there. And then listen to the podcast. Building Men, Mike Ayala episode, I think it was 137, uh, May 10th. Yeah, you'll get to hear me cry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate you, man. And, you know, I just had this thought. Um, I'd love to have you back on. Just, you know, maybe we check in once every six months or something. And I think, you're, uh, I think your mission out there for young men intertwines a lot with what, you know, we're working on in general and just some of my core values and passions. So we'd love to have you back. Oh, I'd be honored, man. This was a good time. I, I really, really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to share my story and my message. Yeah. Sorry we didn't get to that fourth question. We'll start with it next time. You got it. All right. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.